games and gamers together now have the sheer magnitude to be a significant unifying force for the world. If I'm to choose between a greater and lesser evil, I'd rather not choose at all. You are almost a jibble sandwich. Did I ever tell you the definition of insanity? Be better. Check this out. Hello, 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 and welcome everyone to the 334th episode of the Hungry Gamers Podcast. I'm your extremely humble host, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan A. Fitz. And joining me today and into the future is a woman whose passion for video games and horror shines brighter than her hair. She's a fellow Frenchie parent and pizza fiend, a partnered Twitch streamer, and does not mind taking the occasional ride in a death cab. You can find her just about everywhere by searching a series of blurs or series of blurs X on all the socials and on the Twitch. Mia, welcome to the Riverside Studio. How the bloody hell are you? Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm good. It's uh, great to have you here. Very excited to be riffing video games, life, and everything else in between. So thank you for taking time out of your very busy schedule. I know you've got a lot on, so I appreciate it. You're welcome. Yeah, so, so we're here. We're here to talk some video games, some pop culture, and I guess wherever the journey takes us today on this 334th episode of The Hungry Gamers. But I guess we could start things off and get your background story. You can tell us a little about who you are, what you do, where people can find you, and, and anything else you'd care to share with the audience. So uh, the floor is yours. Uh, I'm Mia, also known as Series of Blurs, and I've been on Twitch for about nine years, eight, nine years, nine. A, a long a long time. Um, and I just started streaming because I didn't really have any friends who were into video games, and I found out about it. I was like, this is really cool. Um, I want to do this, I want to find people to game with. <laughs> and then within a couple of months, I think I got a, a $5 donation. Um, and I was like, I might... Like, people are making money from this. I might be able to make money, like a job. Um, and everyone's like, that's only $5, whatever. But then another couple of months later, I like, quit my job and I became a streamer. So I've been doing it ever since, just branching out into some other stuff a bit, but mostly just mm-hmm. on Twitch. So it's been great. That's pretty That's pretty exciting because, yeah, you are sort of one of the the OGs, you could say, in the Australian stream scene. Like, it is, it is constantly building and evolving and there's new people – coming and going and things like that. But to know that you've been doing this for close to a decade, like that's insane. And I, I, I can sort of understand how that first donation, when you when you saw that $5, uh, you know, hit on the screen there, you're like, man, this, this could be more than than just a bit of fun. This could become a career or, or a, you know, a, a full-time lifestyle change here. Do you still remember when you got that first payout from Twitch? Do you remember what you spent that money on? Like, did you go out and treat yourself to like a meal or did you buy something funky or do, um, do you remember at all? I can't remember. I, th- I think I ordered pizza live on stream, I think. I can't remember okay. exactly. Um, but I know the first donation wouldn't really have been enough to buy anything, but not much long later, I got another one. And then I think I was like, I'm going to buy pizza with this. And I was like, yeah. wow, the internet like funded me pizza to eat. And that was because Twitch was a lot newer back then. It was a wild concept to think that like you just I just made money from playing video games. It was hard to comprehend. There's certainly far less and far worse things we could be doing with our time to <laughs> to generate income, right? And knowing that the, the beauty of video games can lead to getting pizza in someone's belly, I think that's a win. And on the topic of pizza, obviously, we've got 
the, the title of the podcast is The Hungry Gamers. So I guess I'd be silly not to talk about pizza with you right now. Have you got like a go-to pizza order? And also, have you got a favorite pizza place you wanted to mention? Like, is there is there a regular haunt you can't not get pizza from every time you're craving it? Uh, well, I don't want to dox myself. So I won't say the name of the place. But it, it's basically because I don't eat any meat. And I think that... Being vegetarian and getting a good pizza is actually quite difficult. As much as I'm all like, meat, you know, like, I don't need meat, it's fine. But a vegetarian pizza is really hard to master. And there's a place really close to me that just does it so good. And it basically has everything on it except mushroom. And I really like mushroom, but I think mushroom on pizza can sometimes taste a bit like dirty water. <laughs> so <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I'm, um... I'm learning to appreciate mushrooms more. I'm the same. Like they can be really hit and miss with me depending on how they're utilized or how they're prepared. And, and it can be a bit of a weird jarring texture on a pizza sometimes because it's got a like a staley, yeah, like a, a dirty water staley bite to it when you're biting yeah. through a piece of pizza. I think you just need fancy mushroom on a, on a pizza or like they need to be prepared just differently. I am a huge, huge mushroom fan, but just not on my pizza. Unless it's a truffle mushroom pizza. Then Ooh. I'm into that. Now we're talking. Yeah. That's that's very fancy. You, you need a few more extra Twitch donations to afford the truffle mushroom yeah. pizza because that's that's high end stuff, right there. Yeah, that's just once in a while <laughs> when God. when my chat's been really generous to me. I'll splash out truffle pizza. Yum. Now see, now I'm thinking about pizza. Like, and it's a weird time. It's we're we're recording middle of the day right now, so it's sort of in between. Or you guys could have a late lunch at the time we're at now. So so maybe. And the good thing with pizza, like there, this place is always open just about twenty four seven. So maybe I need to hunt down a pizza after this because I am getting very very hungry. What is your What is your go to pizza? Um, it depends on the mood. Like. A nice, simple pepperoni can't be beat, I think, especially if it's either that New York-style giant dirty slice yeah. or, like, a real simple Italian wood-fired pizza. Like, yeah. I think on the Italian wood-fired style, the simpler the pizza, the better. Yeah. So, just a couple of ingredients. Agreed. Bellissimo, as the Italians like to say. <laughs> but just about all pizza is good pizza for me. I, I even sort of turned a corner recently on seafood on pizza. I was very much like, no, nah, that can't be a thing. That's disgusting. But then I had this salmon pizza in Italy a couple of months ago, and I'm like, okay, Humble this is brag. one of the greatest things I've ever eaten. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> just just o- overlooking the ocean, mid-30s, pizza made by Nonna just around the corner. Like, it was fantastic. But, yeah, all pizza is good pizza in my opinion. Yeah. Mm. And garlic bread especially. Anyone that doesn't get, like, oh, sides with their pizza. Garlic bread is, pizza. like, the best bit. Oh, yes, yes. Are you um on on the topic of garlic bread? Are you more of a traditional garlic bread without the cheese? Like you know how there's like the whole cheesy garlic bread type of Ooh. fad these days. Which way do you lean? If you had the choice, which way would you go? Uh, I would alternate. Oh, so okay. the only place that I know of near me that does cheesy garlic bread is Domino's. And I went through a phase where I was just ordering Domino's pizza, and like their pizza is. Not as good it's as fine. it's not as good as the local place. Let's, let's say mm-hmm. that. Um, but I yeah, was there, ordering. There's no truffle mushrooms at Domino's. Exactly. They have really good vegan options, though. By the way, um, just a little PSA. Um, okay. But I was getting their pizzas for so long purely because I got really addicted to their cheesy garlic bread. Because it's like, so and it'll be like a little like kind of crunchy as well. You know, when you get garlic bread and it's really soggy. So every time I get garlic bread, I always go put it straight in the oven, like crisp it up a bit. Yeah. (laughs) 
I, I love that. And I agree, like the Domino's cheesy garlic bread is just about the best in the business. Yeah. The the Pizza Hut cheesy garlic bread, it's too cheesy. I don't know if you can say that. I've never had the Pizza Hut. I don't I don't know if there's such thing as too cheesy though. Oh, it's it's like thick. It's like <laughs> like ten millimeters worth of cheese. And sometimes as as we know with science, cheese hardens after a little while. So it ends up becoming like you're biting through a block of cheese to get uh, through the garlic bread. Yeah. And it's just not a good time for me. Yeah. But Domino's cheesy garlic bread, all day, every day. Yeah. No, I see that. Like if the if the cheese gets a bit colder, then you're just like you're eating <laughs> eating biting into a block of cheese, which Yeah. You know, has its time and place. Yeah. And that time and place is not with me today, but I'm seriously thinking about pizza after this. So I'm probably going to order some and then hate myself later. But you know what? I'm just going to blame you because yep. uh, you pushed me down this path, but there's far worse things I could be doing. If it, but um, If it makes you feel better, I ate junk food like three times yesterday because I was a bit hungover. Ooh. So go for it. Okay. You have my permission. Okay. Just, Thank you. just don't Thank do you. it three times in a day and you're fine. Have you got like a go-to sort of hangover cure that you, you lean into? Like if you wake up dusty, the night after, have you got like a, okay, I have to order from X and this is what I need yeah. that's going to help bring me back to life again? Yeah, I need about six varieties of drink. <laughs> <laughs> and they it usually starts with like a Powerade, then goes mm-hmm. to a can of Coke. Um, and then I will have waters, Barocas, Hydrolyte, and then I ended up with a strawberry milkshake. That's dangerous with the milkshake. <laughs> I know. That's why it needs to end with the milkshake. Because if you have the strawberry milkshake too early, like it's over. You've, you've mm-hmm. ruined you've ruined your life. Um, but you've got to like be almost okay until you have the strawberry milkshake. And that's like the final touch just to make you like back to normal. And food wise, depending how bad I am, um, if I'm really, really bad, it will be potato cakes. Okay. If I'm not, if I was just like a mild hangover, it would be nachos. Oh, both excellent, excellent decisions there. Like either one of those can absorb a lot of that booze, especially a potato cake or a potato scallop, as I call them, being from New South Wales. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, it's a very divisive topic, <laughs> potato cakes versus potato scallops. But either way, they're delicious and salty and fried goodness. And they'll suck up all that booze and make you feel better as you work your way towards a strawberry milkshake. And you can pick at them too. Like if I was to get a big meal or a burger or a pizza, like... I feel like it's a big commitment, whereas a potato cake is just, they're just, I don't know, I like food that I can pick at when I'm hungover. Yeah, like whoever invented the concept of like tapas yep. is a genius. Oh, yeah. Like little finger food, yeah. little nibbles, little grazing plates, like all that stuff is the best way to have meals. More people need to do that. Yeah, I love tapas so much. Me too. Oh, God. All right, before we go down a, a tapas rabbit hole, mm-hmm. I guess we might jump over to this. The week that was. All right, Mia, we're going to talk about what we've been doing this past week, and that can be things we've been playing, things we've been watching. We've just talked about things we've been eating, so we could probably get that off the table. But yeah, what have you been up to this week? Anything anything you want to shout out from a gaming perspective? Anything you've watched that's that's worth a mention, good, bad, or otherwise? Um, I have been playing... I just moved on from Baldur's Gate 3, and I'm now playing mm-hmm. Starfield. I love Baldur's Gate 3. It's my first time playing a game like that. Um, I was blown away, even though I had no idea what was going on in the combat the entire time. I was just like, ooh, pretty spell. Click, click, click. Uh, but this, the, the world, the environment, and the characters are just unreal. So I went from that, um, and then Starfield came out. So I've now jumped onto Starfield and been playing that for the last probably five days or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and really enjoying that too. I don't know. I, I, I think a lot of – I heard a lot of people get uh, – 
say they weren't overly impressed, but to me it was like exactly what I expected. So I'm, I've been pretty happy with it. And yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm the same. Yes. You're enjoying it. I, I really am. Like it's, it's a Bethesda game. Yeah. Like, it feels just like Fallout. It yep. feels just like Skyrim, but it's in space. Like, yeah, I, know. I don't understand what people were expecting. Like, yeah. It's great. It's it's not perfect, but I'm really enjoying it. I'm at the last mission, so I'm just about to finish the game. Oh, wow. You've been so smashing it. Yeah, I, I haven't had much of a life this past week <laughs> or so. I've just been uh, running around the galaxy doing my thing for the Constellation, yeah. but it's awesome. And you mentioned Baldur's Gate 3. It was my first foray into the Baldur's Gate world as well, and it is so good. It is such a special game, and I'm with you. Like, I'm, I think, 30 to 40 hours into Baldur's Gate, maybe a little bit longer. And I'm still not completely comfortable and sure of the combat as far as the best way to do things because it's stressful and scary that you can die in an instant and lose a party member potentially forever and stuff. Like it's it's really you have to, intimidating. You have to embrace save scumming with that game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I feel so dirty, but it's just become automatic now. Yeah. I'm like, no, I didn't like how that played out. I'm going back and doing it again. That's exactly how I felt at the start. Like, my people in my chat were like, just save it, save it, save it. I'm like, I'm not doing that. That's cheating. I'm like, I got to live the consequences of my actions. And then one of my characters died just from something silly <laughs> because I rolled, like, a bad roll. I'm like, oh, all right. And now I fully embrace it. So anything goes slightly wrong, I'm loading that save. It's it's so good though. Like the like you said, the the writing and the the characters that you meet along the way, like it is so unlike any other yeah. RPG that I've played. Like there's so much depth to it, and it's so pretty. The game is gorgeous, and yeah, it's been tough to put that put that down and jump across to Starfield. Like Starfield's been super fun. I've been enjoying the combat and they the characters. Feel really around different space. as well. Yeah. Like when I play Starfield. Okay, so let's go back to Baldur's Gate. So when I'm playing that, I want to exhaust every single dialogue option possible. Like I'm so intrigued by uh, the conversations and the characters and their background. Like I can't get enough. Um, and then when I play Starfield, I'm like, all right, just be quiet. Stop talking. I want to go back into my spaceship. Like <laughs> I'm not as interested in the characters as much, but I also did try and romantically pursue one of the side characters and I got rejected. So maybe I'm just really salty. Maybe, maybe. Because <laughs> like both of these games are full of romance options. Yeah, that's so much. I, I was so invested in Baldur's Gate in the romance. Like I And like there's so many good options too. Everyone was amazing. Yeah, which which way, like, I don't know if you want to spoil it for the listeners, but did you ultimately settle on a particular character? You're like, no, nah, that's that's my person or that's my In Baldur's Gate? Creature? Yeah, in um, Baldur's Gate. I went for Shadowheart. Oh, yeah, I've I've been toying with the Shadowheart romance potentially. Who would you go but, for? Um, I still haven't fully committed yet. I'm sort of courting many people to see how it feels but i haven't settled into like and once i once i find yep this is my person or this is my humanoid uh i'll definitely lean that way but yeah i don't know like do i want the the feisty tiefling do i want karak and her like karak is so cool engine heart and her (laughs) fieriness like she's a great character but there's so many you meet along the way where i'm like yeah i could fall in love with you they're all great characters. I really dislike Lazelle, but I still think she is a great character. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just so well written. Uh, and I had, I really wanted to romance a Storian as well, but because he's a vampire, 
And I think one of the first nights he came back to my camp, he's like, oh, I, I'm a vampire. I want to suck your blood. I'm like, okay. And then I rolled a bad dice and he killed me. Because oh, he like, what? yeah, he like sucked me dry. <laughs> <laughs> well, luck, lucky for me, he did not suck me dry. I, I rolled a good dice and the, the night was very comfortable, uncomfortable. I don't know. But like, yeah, we're, we're going sort of steady every every week or so. He'll, he'll roll into camp and have a little nibble and I'm glad, stock up again. I'm glad that you're going steady with a story. And after that moment, I was like, maybe he's not someone that I should try and romance. I feel like this is yeah. sending a bad message to my community. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, you you want to avoid those types of abuse-based situations. But like circling back to Starfield as well, like, yeah, you can romance a lot of characters, but there's just no real depth in them compared to Baldur's Gate. Like there is, and they flesh out the story and and you learn about these characters as you traverse the galaxy, but it just doesn't feel the same. No, they got- And I just don't have that sense of attachment. Me neither. I, I, their strengths are so different, I think. And the strength in Starfield that I have found- is that I really just want to explore every single nook and cranny in that game. I want to I want to see everything that there is to see. Whereas when I play Baldur's Gate, I'm much more invested in the characters. Like that's what's mm. making the game for me. So yeah, very they got very different strong points. But I think that yeah, the part of the reason why people um, maybe got a bit disappointed or upset about it was because they kind of forgot it is a Bethesda game, and Bethesda games have always been so good at. Um, not like so much the wow factor, but just the environment and the exploration. Like I even remember when I played Fallout and Skyrim being like, ah, what's so good about this game? And then 500 hours later, I'm still playing it. Like I can't, it's like never enough. I want it like, oh, one more side quest, one more, one more exploration. So, um, yeah, definitely I'm really enjoying it a lot, but definitely got different pros and cons. Yeah, we're, we're enjoying it, but so is the world. Like, they announced, I think, 24 to 48 hours after the official worldwide release of Starfield. They hit over a million concurrent players. And since then, they've announced that over 6 million players, this was, I think, last Friday that data came from, have joined the Constellation. So it's Bethesda's biggest launch of all time at the oh, moment. Wow. So as much as the world is, well, not the world, but certain people around the world or around the internet are trying to poo-poo it, whether it be because it's not on PlayStation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God, that's impressive that the numbers are that good and it's not even on PlayStation. Yeah, yeah. Like I'd say there's a nice hefty Game Pass bump there too if you've yeah. got that in your subscription. Yeah. But it's great. And and like you said, it's just like the Bethesda do scope really well. Like there's so much to see and do and there's so many places to explore and get lost. And then there's so many factions and various other storylines that you might not give too much crap about but it's enough for you to keep moving forward and go oh, what, what's going to be intriguing when i do this and then you can uh tackle situations certain ways like you do in Baldur's gate where it's not always just going there and shoot people you can talk your way around things you yeah. can make people do it for you so i love that yeah freedom of choice that both games have yeah it's really great oh i'm so glad to hear it's doing well i didn't know about those stats and sometimes i think um especially being a streamer with social media and that I can get caught up in Twitter because there's a lot of uh, mm-hmm. negative talk. So it's I'm, I'm happy to hear it's going so well. Yeah, that's it. it. It's tough that most of the tweets or most of the algorithm-based things that'll lift it to the top or what you see when you scroll the timeline is the is the crap as opposed to the good. But yeah, it's, it's doing well. Six million plus players from last week. 
million concurrent users and that number's only going to go up down the line and yeah i'm having a good time with it like it's it's really fun it's going to be on you know as far as the top 10 games of the year list it's it's on there for me it's it's not number one i think Baldur's gate three is number one for me as far as what i played oh this really year, yeah i love it it's so good. <laughs> it's so i'm surprised wow how many hours did you put into Baldur's gate i'm always surprised because i when you said before you hadn't romanced anyone yet well you hadn't committed to anyone yet I thought maybe you were early game. No, I'm I'm 40 odd hours into Baldur's Gate. So yeah. I'm, I'm pretty deep. Like I'm just into Act 2 now. Yeah. So I've been taking my time with it, but I've been loving everything about that world. And, and I'm yeah. loving Starfield too, but it's just a different kind of love. Yeah. I can't even think of what my top games of the year are so far. There's been a lot of great indie games. Um, mm-hmm. The big release, I feel like it's been a little bit quieter or I've got a bad memory. I'm not sure. Yeah, well, like, from from a horror standpoint, we had uh, Resident Evil 4 Remake come out this year, which was fantastic. We had the Dead Space Remake come out this year. Oh, yeah. Also fantastic. So oh, that feels like a lifetime ago. What yeah. about Callisto Protocol? Was that this year or last year? That was the back end of last year. Oh, it, was, yeah. it was fine. I liked I it. it. I, I mean, maybe I feel like I'm a bit more easily pleased than a lot of people. Um, but I just love... Dead Space so much, and Callisto mm-hmm. Protocol felt very similar to that with some different uh, mechanics, which I really appreciated. I thought it added a lot of like stress um, and anxiety to the to the game, so I really liked it. But yes, anyway, that was last year. Yeah, but it's it's still great, and they're still continuing to support it and bring out new wrinkles and new modes to to Callisto, which is great. Yeah. I know there was some fear that it did, in air quotes, underperform to expectations as far as the sales they wanted to achieve, but I hope they sold enough to maybe get a sequel because, yeah, I enjoyed Callisto, but then when Dead Space rolled out in January, I was like, oh, boy. Yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. This is great. Yeah. Did you know that I did the – um I attempted a hardcore run? The, not just hardcore. It's you, a run – You're crazy. Where, <laughs> it's a run where you can't die um how did you go because that yeah like the permadeath type of run yeah where- permadeath. i got i got really far i was so surprised mm-hmm. um because my anxiety was through the roof like i had real performance <laughs> anxiety mm-hmm. and i nearly died i'm not kidding in like the first 20 minutes <laughs> <laughs> because i think like so many people were watching me and I, it was, yeah, just so much performance anxiety. I'm like, oh, but I'm going to do something really silly, like forget to load my gun or forget a control or just bump something. And then the whole thing's ruined. It's not like Baldur's Gate where you can just save scum. Like you just, that's it. Just, you're done. Yeah. Um, and I, I wore a heart rate monitor during it. So having a, I've never done a permadeath before, but like my heart rate, knowing how much was on the line if I died, made that game like so much scarier and it's already a scary game but it was great i think i lasted about six to seven hours i'm just guessing um but it was pretty far and i got to a point uh, i don't even know how to describe it right now but i got to a point where it was i reckon it's like nearly impossible to pass like it was a worthy point to die i died with Mm -hmm. honor I did not. I didn't die because I forgot to reload or anything. So I was happy with that. Oh, that's good. Yeah, you, did, you didn't die cheaply. And, and yeah. six to seven hours on a permadeath run, like th- like you said, these games are stressful enough without yeah. wearing the heart rate monitor, but then also without the thought of one wrong move and, and my playtime is done. Like, yeah, I, I'm just going to live through you with that kind <laughs> of stuff because I worried that my heart would, would not be able to handle that type of stress and strain. So I'm just going to, yeah, 
experience this through other people. Yeah, definitely got to like 150 at one point <laughs> just from yeah. playing a game. Yeah, just have triple O on standby just in case. They're like, what? What? What's happened to you today? I I just died in in Callisto <laughs> Protocol. Just come check my vitals, please. It's amazing. I the reason why I got a heart rate monitor to begin with is because when I played Sekiro when that came out, I really struggled with Sekiro like a lot more than any of the other Souls games. And on um, the final boss, I spent eight hours on him. Eight. And eight hours. I, I know. I think at, at that point I should have just like stopped and come back to it. Cause I was literally just like banging my head against the wall pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, but I, when I finally got this final boss, I was so stressed about like the eight hour kind of build up that when I finally defeated him, I nearly fainted. Like I'm not, ex- I'm not exaggerating. I think I forgot to breathe the entire time. And after that moment, I like I was like, stream's not gonna believe me that I nearly fainted. They're just gonna be like, oh, she's doing that uh, streamer dramatic thing. Ah, uh, yep, yep. You, you <laughs> had a uh, a truffle pizza on mine. You're like, I need I need to get dramatic to get some more donations. <laughs> I'm gonna get paid. Um, oh, no, I, I was like serious. After that, I got a heart rate monitor because I was like, I need people to see how actually like legitimately stressed out some games can be. Mm-hmm. And it's not the horror games usually that get me. It's the um, when something's really difficult, like yeah, Dead Space or Sekiro, like stuff like that, makes my heart go go nuts. Yeah, th- those Souls games, like they're great and they're punishing. I I can confidently say that that sort of genre isn't really for me because <laughs> yeah, it it stresses me out to no end. And yeah, unlike you, if if I was pushing at a boss battle for like eight hours, I'd probably end up throwing my monitor off the, off a cliff or something. Like I'm like, no, nah, I can't do this. I got to walk away. I got to calm down and reset and then I'll crack at it again. But oh, eight hours. Yes. It's, I, I don't think that, I don't think I'm built for them either, but I just do it anyway. Cause I know maybe the pressure of stream watching me and knowing that if I tap out, they're going to never let me forget it. Oh, okay. That's fair. That's fair. So, yeah. Stubbornness comes in. You don't want to let the team down. Yeah. Yeah. But something that did let the team down this week is a movie I watched. I went, oh, I checked out Meg 2, The Trench. Oh, I liked it. You did? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, uh, okay. I did not. <laughs> it was, it was kind of the worst movie I'd ever seen, but in a fun, really fun way. And also it's the Meg 2. What were you expecting? Yeah. Like, yeah, I guess I wasn't expecting an Oscar winner, but <laughs> I was expecting more. Like, yeah, the first one, it was also bad, but there was some enjoyable moments. And there, there was a few times where I'm like, okay, I had a smile here. I shook my head with how stupid it was. But yeah, I just didn't, did not enjoy this. I, I want more, especially like for, for shark films or creature features in general, I want more violence and more gore and more tension. But when they lean into sort of this, slapsticky PG-13 rating. Yeah. It just irks me to no end. And it opened up really cool. Like when it's like, oh, they're down in the Mariana Trench. We might have, it's going to be like, you know, kaiju battles sort of stuff going on like Pacific Rim for a second. And then it's like, no, it's just big (laughs) sharks doing dumb things again. And I'm like, oh my God. I I think I rate that like two and a half out of five. So like just that's a very positive review. You think that's positive? That's a, two and a half to me is bad. Like don't bother. Oh really? Yeah, two and a half out of five. This is like very average. Yeah, I see. I I'd give it like a one, a one <laughs> out of five. Yeah. 
Um, but I think maybe, did you see at the movies? No. Luckily for me, like if, if I went to the movies and paid money for a ticket, I would be a lot more salty right now. I watched it at home. Yeah. Which is fine. But yeah, just I was like, man. I think that a movie like that, if I'd watched it at home, I would have hated every second of it. But because I was in the cinema and everyone's like laughing and clapping, it added this like real campy kind of vibe mm-hmm. to everything and just made it fun. Was it a good movie? Absolutely not. Did I have fun? Yes. I, I Okay. Yeah, and also remind me of that. Um, remember that shark game that came out, Man Eater or something? Oh yeah, Man Eater was super fun it too. Was so Very fun. Underrated. Yeah, that like Meg Two just made me think of that. Like, I do see what you're saying. It would have been cooler if they leaned into the the seriousness of it. Um, but I, I liked they went all campy and over the top. It was so ridiculous. Yeah, you know this the like the book franchise that this is based on. You know, there's eight books, so we could get another <laughs> six of these. We could get another six Megs. This could be like the next Fast and the Furious spinoff, which scares me very much. So I want them to do it. I'm. I know that like I, I when people complaining about games or movies and that, um, I just think like the more the better. <laughs> like, oh yeah, we we get so many. So many types of movies and games that are all the same. And if they want to make eight movies about sharks, you know, chomping on people, go for it. Like I, <laughs> I just like stuff that um, is a bit different or a bit silly and just like to see some variety in what's yeah. going on. Yeah. But um, I did see The Nun too. <sighs> Tell me about this. Was it good? <laughs> no, it was not good. No, it was not good. Did you okay. like the first one? Have you seen the first one? I thought the first, like the first one was fine. I think if you thought the first one was fine, you will like, you probably like this one. You probably think it's mm-hmm. okay. It's, it's definitely an improvement upon the first one. Um, it's full of jump scares. Of course, that's what the conjuring is, but I did think the jump scares were a bit more like creative and thought out. Like what I never, ever get jump scared ever. Like I'm like, I'm a horror mm-hmm. veteran. That doesn't happen to me. <laughs> But it actually, like, I jumped so bad at one point. And I was like, respect. <laughs> it's a hard thing to do with me, um, to respect. And they had a couple of good creepy scenes. Uh, but ultimately, I was, I just want more. They want more from my horror. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I wouldn't really recommend it. Okay, would you would you recommend it more or less than Meg Two? Which one would you recommend, or would you say it's better? Well, I guess better is a relative okay. term. Okay, yeah, this is hard because I like the Nun Two is the way better film. But like, do you want to watch a serious scary movie, or do you just want to watch a silly movie about a shark eating people? <laughs> like, you can't compare them. Yeah, yeah, pro- probably the shark. Like, I I love a shark movie. Like. The Shallows, severely underrated. Oh, I, I think like it's great. That. 47 meters down, also yeah. amazing. The sequel, a little less so, but the first one. Mm. Yeah. And the ending, really great for 47 meters down. I didn't realize that I like shark movies until I had this conversation with a friend after Meg. I'm like, there are actually quite a few good shark movies around. Yeah. And besides like the obvious jaws, but like when I think about them, like, yeah, Shallows, that, and the ones that you just listed, I'm like, they were all pretty solid. Yeah. I, I just love movies about the ocean and creatures like um underwater is still severely underrated i with, love um, underwater yeah. like loved it like i that was in my top however many movies of the year like loved it to me it just felt like alien but underwater and yeah. i deep sea is terrifying 
yeah, it scares me. The second I can't touch slash see the bottom in in the ocean, I'm like, yeah, I, I want to get out now. I'm I'm a bit scared as to what's yeah. what's lurking beyond the surface there. Yeah, no, that was great. I, I really, I don't know. That got some hate as well, and I don't really know why because I love. Yeah. It's a, it was a creature feature and it was played quite seriously, um, and it's like jam packed action right from the get go. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Kristen Stewart, like, she's a hell of an actor. She's like, so she's good. very talented. People still give a shit because of Twilight, but she's actually she's actually great. Yeah, but yeah, check out Underwater. It is one of the best sci-fi horror films of the last five years. Easy. Yeah. Five years? Was it was about it was <laughs> longer than five years old. I can't even figure out what games came out this year. I can't keep track of what <laughs> movies came out in the last five years. It's just there's so much of it. Yeah, yeah. Something else I'll super quickly touch on as well is I also checked out Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <gasps> Mayhem. Oh, I really want to watch that. Super fun. The tone, awesome. The animation style, very unique, but it's just cool and distinctive on the screen. The voice work, amazing. Like anyone that's seen the cast that's lending their vocal talents to this movie, like there's a lot of Hollywood heavy hitters on this and it's just fun. It's endearing and it's got heart. It's got that same Ninja Turtles tone and, and feel that everyone's used to, but it's also doing its own thing in a way. And it was awesome. It was like 90 odd minutes. I watched Meg 2 and then I watched uh, Mutant Mayhem back to back and it was like <laughs> night and day. I went from, I want my 90 minutes back to I want another, another 90 minutes of this. So it was yeah. a, a nice contrast, but yeah, super fun. Perfect for all ages, kids, adults, everyone else in between. Go check it out too. Yeah, I really want to watch that. I'm I used to love the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles so much. Actually, Michelangelo was my first ever crush <gasps> growing up. <laughs> I, I didn't crush on him, but he's he's my boy. Michelangelo is my favorite. I crushed on April O'Neil. So. It's the pizza, isn't it? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I I've always had a real spot for them. Um. But yeah, Dinah watched that and just haven't got around to it yet. But they're like teenagers, like kids in this movie. Is that right? Yeah, they'd be 15 years old or so, yeah. give or take, 15 to 16. So they're, they're of that age, but um, it's great. Like for any any fans or anyone that's sort of grown up in, in our time period, it'll feel right at home and very familiar. A lot of the characters, like it is sort of the who's who of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that are, they're rolling out as far as the villains and stuff like that. But it's just really fun. And Michelangelo still is a party dude. And I can't <laughs> you know speak highly enough of that because he's my boy with his nunchucks and he's the best. He is the best. <laughs> yeah. But now check it out. It's it's so fun. It's I think it's dropping like on streamers in the next couple of days if it hasn't already as well. So they're oh, going good. sort of straight to stream as opposed to just letting it marinate in the cinemas for a while. So uh, That yeah. seems to be happening a lot. Like Yeah, come, I love it. Yeah, I'm happy about it too. Um, I, as much as I love going to the cinemas, I'm like, oh, just I, I can't keep up with everything. I'm trying to watch One Piece at the moment. Have you started, started watching that? I, I haven't watched a minute of the live action yet, but yeah. I've started watching the anime for the first time ever. I started a couple of weeks ago. I'm nearly at episode 100. 100? How many episodes are there? 1,073. <gasps> you are not planning on getting through them all, are you? I will. I will. Yeah. <laughs> so I obviously have never seen the anime, um, but I heard really good things about the live action. And actually, I only started watching it because... I was very hungover that morning and I wanted something to watch while I ate my potato cakes. Um, and someone had sent me a photo and be like, hey, you kind of look like this girl a bit. You should do a cosplay. And I was like, who is she? And then I investigated the show. 
I was like, hey, that actually looks like it's done really well, like big mm-hmm. budget, good reviews, good acting. And I checked it out. And I've only seen two and a half episodes so far, but it is great. Like it's make. I was thinking to go back and watch the anime after this, but not after finding out there's 1,700 episodes. I'm already time for enough. Yeah, it is. It is a lot to consume. I am working my way through it, but because it's been in, around since 1999, the animation quality and, and some of the vocal work, especially if you're watching the the dub, isn't the best. So it's been a bit of a tough slog. But mm. a few anime tragics I know and One Piece fans are like, you got to check out the live action. It's really great. You're going to really enjoy it. So I need to commit some time to check it out this week because everyone that's checked it out so far has said it's it's awesome and it's it's. It's special. And like you said, they've thrown a lot of money behind it. Like the sets and everything look yeah. really impressive. It's so impressive. I think as well, if, if you know people who've actually watched the anime and they're happy with it, like if that's not a testament, then I don't know what is. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, that's done us as far as what we've been doing this week. Let's shift into this. News and notes from around the internet presented by Audio-Technica. All right, listeners, if you're needing to upgrade your audio gamer, obviously head on over to audiotechnica.com. Once you're done listening to this podcast, because we've got the best in audio-based equipment, we're talking headphones, microphones, gaming headsets, turntables, and everything else in between. But the first bit of news media that I'm going to bring to the table, I've titled, Wahoo's going to voice Mario moving forward. Sorry about the headlines. They are pretty cringe. (laughs) So last month, Nintendo announced that Martin A, the exuberant voice of Mario, will no longer be the English voice actor behind Nintendo's most recognisable mascot after almost 30 years in the job. Instead, it was announced that Charles Martin A will now take on the role of a Mario ambassador for the company. Nintendo said that this new position will see the actor continuing to travel the world, sharing the joy of Mario and interacting with you all. Other than that, it did not go into specifics on the job's actual requirements. Now it seems Nintendo has also been rather elusive about it all with Martinet himself. Speaking at a recent GalaxyCon Austin panel, Martinet admitted he doesn't even know what a Mario ambassador really is. And he says, I'm not retired as it were. I don't know how, but I'm an ambassador. And as we step forward into the future, I will learn, well, we'll all learn exactly what that is. So first and foremost, we'll pour some out after three decades of Charles Martinet voicing Mario, doing a very admirable job. And also, shout out to getting a job and getting on the payroll for something you don't even know what it is for. I would love a job like that. Like, if I could be an ambassador for something and just get paid to do something that's going to be confirmed later, sign me up. But I also wanted to sort of throw this into you to get your your thoughts as far as who you think would be the next ideal voice casting for Mario. Like, have you got someone in mind when I say, who's going to be Mario for the next one, two, three decades, who would you love to hear voice that little plumber in the red and blue jumpsuit? Uh, I have absolutely no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hopefully the actual Italian, but also I don't love when things are voiced by like famous actors. Mm -hmm. Like I would rather unknown because I find that sometimes it can be distracting, like it can take me out of it. Um, but then there are some people like, okay, you know, like Howl's Moving Castle. Like I found out that was Christian Bale was voicing Howl many, yeah. many years later and it blew my mind. So I, I, at no point did I watch that um, and go, oh, like this is really distracting to me. So whenever I think of like, oh, who should voice this? I just is like, I just don't want to be distracted by who it is. Like, I don't want it to be. I'd rather it be like an unknown person mm-hmm. um, rather than like picking out a celebrity that I want to do it. 
So, so you don't want Chris Pratt to uh, transition from the movie to the video game? Absolutely not. I think the only famous person who really gets a pass besides Christian Bale doing Hal is that, uh, like, Jack Black was awesome as Bowser. That was unreal mm-hmm. um, because Jack Black's just great at everything. But no, no more Chris Pat- Pratt, please. Okay, okay. M- maybe we could get, like, the, the local pizza shop artisan that does those fantastic pizzas near you like get get some proper italian representation here to to have mario there you know lead lead their vocal talents into yes. the future because charles martinet is great i met him at e3 once and he's a lovely man yeah and it's nice i guess that nintendo even though like you know if anyone say oh they did him dirty by said you're not mario anymore they're still giving him this role yeah. as a mario ambassador so it's nice that they are being respectful of the yeah. time that he's given them over the last 30 years. And yeah, they've taken care of him. What's your, exactly. Who would your choice be? Um, <laughs> I'd love to, like, let's just go fully lean into it and have, like, you know, an Al Pacino or, oh, like, wow. a Robert De Niro or, like, James Gandolfini from, like, Sopranos, something <laughs> I, like that. Okay, but when you, like, say that, then I imagine, like, a real dark and gritty Mario. Yeah, 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 we'll... we'll move it out of the PG into the MA and it'd be like, hey, Bowser, give me them mushrooms or I'm going to blow your fucking head off. You know, like, let's let's get a bit serious with things. You know, I would watch that. And Nintendo would too. Nintendo would never allow it to happen, but I would definitely watch that. Yeah. Hopefully it might end up in the public domain, like uh, Winnie the Pooh and stuff. And then we get these weird <laughs> horror movie spinoffs. You know, they're doing a... Um, uh, a three blind mice one and also I think was it a Baba Black Sheep one I saw really? the other day there's a couple of other fairy tales or, or um, you know children's fables getting the horror movie treatment there's also a second Winnie the Pooh horror movie getting made already after was it Blood and Honey I yeah. think they called it did you ever watch that I did what did you think about I it? haven't watched it I know that oh. I'm gonna have to at some point just for like just so I can say I've done it but I'm expecting the worst movie ever, which I think is probably Pivot's Charm for some people. Kind of like the Meg 2. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, it's up there or down there. I don't know how you sort of describe it, but it's uh, it's not the best. Like, it's it's low budget. It's, would you it's watch, not a good time. Would you watch number two? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Like, so, yeah. As, <laughs> as much as I complain about, like, the Meg 2 being bad or Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey being bad. If they make sequels, I will watch them and maybe See, I'll continue to complain, but I'll still watch them. That's interesting to me because, like, when I – going back to the Meg for a minute, sorry. When I watched the Meg 2, I'm like, oh, it's bad, but I rated it kind of well because I'm the same. If they made the Meg 3, I would watch it. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think if I was to rate something one out of five, then I would never watch another sequel. Like, I'm like, I'm done. You've hurt You've insulted me. I don't want to know anything about these movies going forward. I'm not watching them. I don't care if it's like streaming for free. Like I'm not watching it. I think I'm just too optimistic and too forgiving (laughs) in in most things in my life. So I always try and hope for the best and think, you know what? This is going to be the time. You know, I'm not going to get hurt again. I'm going to enjoy this. (laughs) You know, they, they said, sorry, it's all fine. It was an accident. So we'll go again. And then... I'll be ruining that same day and be like, God damn it, they got me twice and I want my time back. But yeah, I just hold out hope that the next Meg or the next Winnie the Pooh film will be the next Schindler's List. Who knows? You just need to make a, like an event out of it. My friend and I, um, we have these nights where we hang out maybe once a month and we all sit around and try and find the worst horror movie we can find and we watch it. And it is so much fun because there are movies that – 
you wouldn't watch by yourself. If you watched it by yourself, you would hate it. You'd be hating the, that 90 minutes of your life so much. But watching it with someone else, like sometimes movies, I just think like they're purposely made so bad and that's how they're meant to be consumed. Mm-hmm. Um, just like with friends with a couple of beers and pizza <laughs> and just make fun of it. Yeah, and, and like you mentioned with the Meg, like watching that in the cinema and just feeding off that energy in the room, whether it be in the cinema or at home on the couch with a, with a friend or friends, yeah, it makes that viewing experience so much more memorable or so much more better, even if the movie does suck a yeah. lot of anus. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm, I'm keen to continue to watch all the horrible horror films and just hope that one day I'll be surprised by the Meg 7 Sharks in Space or whatever it's going to be. So uh, I, um, we'll see. I will report back about Winnie the Pooh in future. I've got to, I'll, I'll watch it. Yeah, and also you'll have to share with me some of these horrible horror films you are checking out because okay. there is many really bad ones. So I'll have, to, I'll have to sort of share some, I don't know if you say recommendations, but we'll share some suggestions. Yeah, okay. Can do yeah. that. All right, the next bit of news I've titled Fantastic Miss Fox is Toasty. That was tough to do. Mortal Kombat 1's entire character roster leaked last week, but NetherRealm Studios has turned the attention back to its own announcement cadence, confirming that Nitara will return to the series for the first time in almost 20 years, and not only that, she'll be played by Transformers star Megan Fox. The reveal trailer is pretty awesome and includes a couple of references to Fox's famous 2009 movie Jennifer's Body, because of course it does. Natara hasn't been a playful, uh, playable character since Mortal Kombat Armageddon way back on the PlayStation 2, although she did make a brief cameo in a cutscene of the previous game. In combat, she uses her claws, fangs, and aerial abilities, and seems to be a fan of the insides of human anatomy. And a quote from Fox reads as follows. She comes from this weird realm. She's a type of vampire creature. She's evil, but also good. She's trying to save her people. I really like her. She's a vampire, which obviously resonates for whatever reason. It's cool to be in the game, you know, because I'm not really just voicing it. It's like she's kind of me, end quote. So Mortal Kombat 1 is coming out on September the 19th on all the platforms. Did you check out this trailer? Did you sort of see no, Nitara in the works? Are you a, are you a Mortal Kombat fan, I yeah. guess, first and foremost? Yeah, I am. Um, not hardcore, but yes. Like I, you know, have played the games and went to see the movie when it came out. Um, but this news is shocking to me. I had a like, whoa, moment hearing that. Um, yeah, good on her. Good for, good, it's, it's good nice for her. to see. Because she, she's having a bit of a um a bit of a resurgence, she right? Is. Like she had the the big boom on the back of the Transformers films and then sort of got out in the wilderness because she compared old mate, um, I'm blanking on his name, compared him to Hitler and things like that. And then she was also, you know, one of the first to sort of speak up about treatment of females in Hollywood and sort of got hung out to dry necessarily for that. But she's back now. She's doing a lot of good work. She's been in a lot of really great horrors and thrillers lately. I can't remember the one where she's chained up to a dead husband. And is it until death? I think so. That, I'm not, but it was a really good film. Was, I really enjoyed it. I liked it. it too. Yeah. That was good. And now she's uh, lending her vocal talents and her likeness to Mortal Kombat. And the the little trailer they do where they've got some interview uh, super cut in with some gameplay, like the, the combat looks awesome and gory. Uh, she's really having fun with it. And it's nice to see her coming back and kicking ass. And the fact that we do get a couple of Jennifer's body base references in the game too i was like leonardo dicaprio on the couch pointing at the tv <laughs> moment because i'm like i get that reference because yeah. jennifer's body severely underrated too oh, love that film i love that movie as well i yeah so good so good so good 
But yeah, this won't be the last sort of Hollywood collab that Mortal Kombat do. Obviously, we've got the, the Jean-Claude Van Damme likeness for Johnny Cage in Mortal Kombat 1 here. We had Ronda Rousey lend her likeness to Sonya Blade in the last one. We've got Peacemaker. We've got um, Homelander from the boys making their way to this this season of Mortal Kombat 2. But uh, yeah, nice nice return to form here, Megan Fox. Welcome back and, and keep on crushing it. I'm happy to see her like leaning into her niche more and more. Yeah, and it's funny too because, you know, she's playing this vampiric character but there's sort of rumours and stuff that went around where her and, I guess, Expo Machine Gun Kelly now, they were they were into blood drinking rituals together yeah. and all this type of thing. So uh, now now sort of reality and, and the the Mortal Kombat world have, have combined here. Yeah, I'm not surprised to, to hear that. She's always been a bit like that, which is part of why I've always enjoyed her. Yeah, she, she certainly walks to the beat of her own drum and, and good on her because... Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's a unique, in, like we're all unique and we need to embrace that a little bit more. So um, yeah, we'll see what happens when uh, Mortal Kombat rolls around on September the 19th on all of those platforms. Or if you've got early access, you can jump on it from September the 14th. But uh, a little quick negative bit of news here. And I've just titled this one, The Eerie Embrace of Solitude. And developer Pieces Interactive said it is gracefully stepping away from the chaotic October release window to avoid competing with the wake of Alan's epic release and to evade the dazzling skyline of cities adorned by the graceful swings of Spider-Man. That is quite the PR marketing spin here. So breaking that down into normal terms that make sense to all of us here is Alone in the Dark which uh-huh. is the spin-off from yeah. the, the the game franchise that was spawned in 1992. It was originally meant to be coming out in October, but due to the spiciness of the new Alan Wake and Spider-Man 2 coming out, uh, Pieces Interactive said, we don't want that noise. We're going to move it to January 16th of 2024 just to allow the game to marinate. And they had a nice bit of marketing puff about, you know, horror games thriving on tension and you can't have this when all these other games are around. da 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 um, but I'm excited for Alone in the Dark. I got to play the beta last year at PAX. It wasn't really announced that it was on the show floor. It was sort of tucked in the back of a PC booth. I can't remember where it was, but it's super fun. And I love that David Harbour and Jodie Comer are lending their likenesses and vocal talents to this game. I loved Alan Wake 1. I'm so excited oh, for number two. It looks so good. Um, but I'm glad. I wish that. I wish that this was more of a thing. They're like, hey, we've got some competition. Like, Because I am. I'm... I'm more excited for Alan Wake. So I'm, Me too. and Me too. I, I'm like, I, I hate, like, as, as I was saying before, like I have had to ditch Baldur's Gate to jump over to Starfield. And, um, I'm like, I, I wish like, it's okay for games to be delayed because I want to spend the time on them properly. And also I think it's smart as well. Cause there'd be some people who are like, I can't afford both. Can you imagine if they all sort of like all the studios had a meeting on like January one and like, here's the calendar. I'm going to pick this date and it's like, okay, well, I'll pick that one. I'll move to October. Oh. I'll move to June because like you said, it's it's an expensive pastime. It's an expensive hobby and yeah. there's more and more games coming out every day. So it's more and more cachiche that we've got to throw out there and you've got to really pick and choose your battles. Yeah, there's been so many games I've missed out on that I've really wanted to play, but just because they release similar times to something else, I'm like, I don't have the time um, and then being really sad about it. So yeah, like how can we go through like three months of no big releases and all of a sudden have like three at once? So now I'm glad to hear that. I'm excited for both games, especially excited for Alan Wake. But yeah, I look forward to that. It'll be, that'll be great. 
I'm, I'm very excited for both. And, and the cool thing with Alone in the Dark, like it's sort of seen as one of the the founders or the like the godfather of the survival horror genre. Like it came out in 1992 and it sort of really influenced what Resident Evil and Silent Hill did a few years later. So it's nice to see them return to their roots. And the demo I played was super creepy, super unique and very distinctive. And yeah, the, the fact they've got a couple of, Hollywood heavy hitters in, in David Harbour and Jodie Comer doing their thing is mm. very exciting. But yeah, I can't wait for Alan Wake in October. My God, it is going to be so, so, so good. I don't remember Alone in the Dark. I remember there was a movie, wasn't there, with like Christian Slater or something? Am I? It's not very good. Yeah. The movie was bad. <laughs> really very forgettable movie. But I, I, I don't remember playing the game. I know of it. Only because of the movie. Uh, but, yes, yeah, so this will be a new kind of venture for me. So I'm excited about that too. Yeah. If, if you love those traditional survival horror games, like if you're a fan of the old school Resident Evil and old school Silent Hill games, yeah, it's that same formula just with a, a, a modernized paint of coat, uh, coat of paint even <laughs> if I wasn't dyslexic. So, yeah, that brings us to the end of the news. All right, we're going to jump into something a little bit wild here. Mia, you ready? Mm-hmm. Miss Allie Hart's Carousel of Chaos. All right, so what I'm going to do here is we have a rotating um, assortment of mini games that we bring out, and it can be trivia, it can be week in gaming history, who am I, etc., etc. And what I'm going to do today is run you through what I'm calling the cost of a cameo. And what the this is sort of based around is I've taken five various people that are peddling their wares on cameo you know the the fantastic website where you can pay money for them to record video or audio based messages oh yeah like for someone's birthday yeah yep so i've taken five people mm-hmm. and we're going to sort of play it like prices right so or you need to rank them from cheapest to most expensive mm-hmm. so you need to take these five people i'll let you know who they are what they do and then you can go like have a bit of a think and work out yeah, who's who's top of the pops as far as who's charging the most and who's charging the least? And then we'll work out work that through and see if uh, God, you're correct. I hope I know who these people are. <laughs> I'm sure you will because what I've done with this one is I've made it horror themed. Okay, yeah. And I have made it horror movie themed because I couldn't find enough uh, horror based gaming people on Cameo. So I've taken five people here, and what I've done with those five is I've put them in alphabetical order. I'll read their name out. I'll give you a bit of a background on who they are, what they've done. And then after that, you can rank them from lowest to highest and we'll see how you go. Are you ready? You got any 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 questions before we jump into the cost um, of cameo? Do you, I'm just going to type it down as you say it because otherwise I'll forget if that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. That's yeah. okay. All right. So it's funny because this first one is a very talented actor known as Bonnie Aarons. And if that name is not immediately familiar to you, that is because she was uh, the, the lead actor in The Nun 2 that you just watched. So she's got a very unique look, a very Bonnie distinctive Aaron. look. Yeah, Bonnie Aarons is her name. And she's obviously most notably known for The Nun, The Nun 2, The Conjuring series. She was even in The Princess Diaries oh, 1 and 2. she's actually The Nun. She is actually The Nun. Yeah, And she was also okay. in Mulholland Drive and Shallow Hell. So the first oh. one there... Yeah is Bonnie Aarons. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. And the next one uh, is Dana DiLorenzo, and she plays Kelly Maxwell in Ash vs. Evil Dead, which is a fantastic, fantastic 
TV-based spin-off of the Evil Dead franchise. And she's also known as Beth, the CBS executive on The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson. So Dana DiLorenzo. Mm-hmm. Yep. The third one for you, Kane Hodder. Needs very little explanation, but I'll give it to you anyway. He is uh, most notably known as playing Jason in the Friday the 13th films. Victor Crowley in Hatchet. He's also been seen in things like Impractical Jokers, Seinfeld, Seven, Enemy of the State, Alias, The Devil's Rejects, Batman Forever, Daredevil, Spawn, and The Fan. So Kane Hodder. Mm-hmm. And the second last one, Robert Englund, who uh, his little bio reads, the role of Freddy Krueger made Robert Englund a horror icon. Mr. Englund can quote a famous Freddy line, share a story, or sing you a lullaby. Got it. I want a cameo from Robert Englund. <laughs> yeah, he's a bit of a dude. Like You can't ever really name him in anything outside of Nightmare on Elm Street, but like you can't also picture him or picture anyone else as Freddy Krueger, even though they tried to do the soft reboot with old mate from what was that show? Oh, the superhero Watchmen. Yeah, the Watchmen. Yeah, yeah. when he played uh, Rorschach. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And the last one I'm bringing to you here, Mia, is Tony Todd. You may know him from Candyman, Final Destination, Night of the Living Dead, Hatchet as well, The Rock, Transformers, Dark Side. The voice of Zoom, Venom, or Platoon. So they're the five. So you've got Tony Todd, Robert Englund, Kane Hodder, Dana DiLorenzo, and Bonnie Ahrens. How are you going to rank them from cheapest cameo charge to most expensive cameo charge? This is really hard. (laughs) (laughs) But also, I'm like, surely, like, the people who have been doing it for such a long time, they would have had to establish rates uh, you know, like they've been doing it for so long. They, they know what mm-hmm. they can get away with and how high up they can go. That's fair. That's um, fair. And the people who are like in more newer stuff, like The Nun 2, I feel like she would probably be do the, have the cheapest cameo. However, okay. she would have a lot of hype around her right now. So maybe she's in more demand, which means she can charge more. Mm. I like the way you're thinking about this. Very <laughs> critical, very analytical. So... Who, did you want to work it from from cheapest to most expensive? Do you want to grade it that way in your mind, or do you want to go from most expensive down to cheapest? Uh, I'm gonna go with the most expensive first. Okay, okay. Who do you think it is has the most to be expensive? Robert England, right? I won't tell you just yet. We'll work out all the yeah. five, and then we'll sort of break it down to see if you made it all the way to the end to, to win a prize. <laughs> what that prize is, I don't know. Um. All right, the second most expensive behind Robert England. Oh, I just I just googled Kane Hodder again to see what other stuff he's in. Like he's not Mm -hmm. really in anything besides Jason, Jason and Hatchet. Yep. Okay, I don't feel like maybe not. And that's Tony Todd. Let's have a look, Tony Todd. I'm taking this very. Taking this very seriously. I love this. I love this. I feel like we need to get the, the red string out and sort of make a board and do the full the full in-depth conspiracy theory analysis here. Yeah. Uh... Tony Todd, who has one of the best voices in horror as well. He's got such a distinctive delivery. And mm. all I ever remember him from, though, is, is Candyman. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Like, he's not really... He hasn't been into anything for a long time. Final Destination 5 that I can see. Oh, all right. 
Um, I'm going to come back to between Tony Todd and Kane Hodder. Then I'm going to okay. go to Dana to Lorenzo. Okay. Um, and then in the last spot, Bonnie Ahrens. Okay, so you're going to put Bonnie Ahrens at five. Yeah. You're going to put Dana at four. Yeah. And then, all right, let's make a decision between Tony Todd and Kane Hodder. I'm going to go Tony Hodd in second spot. Okay, so Tony at number two. Yeah. And then Kane at number three. Which I think is going to okay. be wrong, but I'm just going for, like, who I would pay the most for a cameo. That's fair. That's fair. And that's it. It's, it's all relative, right? Like, you you might be more of a fan of Tony where someone down the street could be more a fan of Kane. So their, their sort of uh, wallet that they're willing to part with would, would be different to yours. So. Yeah. All right. So we're going to go from cheapest to most expensive mm-hmm. and you had Bonnie Arons, most notably known as playing the nun in the Conjuring franchise as well as in the nun one and two. She's got one of the most unique looks in Hollywood and um, she scares the shit out of me as that nun character I've got to say but uh, you put her at fifth. That is incorrect. She is not the cheapest person out of this list of five on Cameo. So she's she's got too much hype about her right now, right? Yeah. yeah. That, that was like, there's only t- there's a two ways this can go. Who's been around the longest or who's got the most hype right now? Yeah, yeah. So the, the person that you actually should have put in fifth is the one you had in fourth, which is Dana DiLorenzo, yeah. who plays Kelly Maxwell from Ash vs. Evil Dead, which it's so good. I'm, I'm such an Evil Dead tragic and that TV show could go forever and I'd be very happy. She charges $124 per cameo. $124? Yeah, so Is that's that the it? cheapest at $124. Yeah. I'm so glad you didn't ask me how much I think their rate would be. I'd be like, I don't know, $2,000? <laughs> oh, okay, okay. We can add that. So, so now you know that Dana charges $124. So she's at the bottom of, of the charge rates here. Uh, the person that charges the second least on this list which you had in third place is Kane Hodder. He charges $157. They're so cheap. Per cameo. <laughs> they need to know their worth. Yeah. Yeah, but I guess like if you churn like you get 10 of these a week, you can smash them out in like an hour or two. And I guess like also they're part of being noble. Like it's their fans, right? Like they don't want to rip yeah. off their fans. It's not like a big, you know, movie studio. This is some yeah, and that's okay, it's nice. You'd think that. So, so yeah, Kane at 157 is our second cheapest on this list of five. Tony Todd comes in in third place here. Oh, How much do you think Tony Todd charges for a cameo? I mean, normally I would have said $2,000, but right now I'm going <laughs> to say 180 <laughs> Yeah, You're close. He actually charges $220 per cameo exchange. He's got 195 reviews, or I guess he's had 195 orders to date. So yeah, 220 bucks to get the Candyman to say some creepy stuff to you or your friend or your enemy via cameo. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're moving to the second most expensive, and it's the person that you had as the cheapest. Bonnie Aaron's is the second most expensive cameo charger. How much do you think Bonnie Aaron's charges per cameo? 300 little higher 350 a little higher 400 a little lower 380 oh close 393 she charges per cameo 39 what's it the three that's so specific 
I, I think it's because it's mostly in US dollars, but uh, when you're logging through an yeah. Australian URL, it just does the conversion for you. Of course, yeah. So three ninety three Australian dollars for a Bonnie Aaron's cameo. Thirteen people have taken her up on that offer so far, and she's the equal third highest charging person from the horror subgenre on cameo right now. And Robert England obviously is the highest on this list. How much do you think? Freddy Krueger himself charges per cameo. When did you say that she's... Didn't you say that she's equal with him? Uh, equal third highest charging. So on the overall platform for the horror genre. Okay. So she charges less than, than Robert Englund. Yeah. But how much do you think he charges? 450 A lot higher. 1000 A little lower. 800 Just a fringe lower. He charges $785 Australian per cameo, which is the equal highest amongst the horror-based classifiers on Cameo. He's had 87 reviews to date, so he's making some good cash, Mr. I, um, I would have been absolutely shocked if he was not number one. Like, yeah. the Bonnie Aaron surprised me, but I totally see it. Like, the nuns, there's a little hype around The Conjuring. Everyone who's young mm-hmm. knows The Conjuring universe. The nun twos has come out. Like, I get it. Yeah. But Robert Englund is... Yeah. He's, he's one of the heavyweights. And I had yeah. to like, there was a lot of people that fell into that $157 amount. So I had to sort of scratch them from the list. Like Tom Savini, who's one of the forefathers of horror, especially when it comes to special effects. I wanted to mention him, but he's the same price as Kane Hodder. And then there's so many like D-grade horror actors that you might've seen one time or like someone got killed once in a movie <laughs> that are on there. And they charge so much money for so little quality, I think, which is insane to me, but you got to get that bread. That's right. <laughs> they can get away with it and then go for it. There you go. So you did, you did pretty well. You did pretty well. You, you got a few in the, in the rough right place where they're meant to be. You nailed the most expensive, but um, apart from that, you just said I had a few that were just one spot out here or there, but uh, yeah, Robert England, $785 per cameo. Should you want him to say something nice or horrible to you or a family member? I still, <laughs> I still am surprised by how cheap they all are. Yeah, it's um, if you could get a cameo from anybody, not not saying they they have to be on the cameo site right now. Who would you love to get a cameo from? Most out of anybody in the world. I'm really not a celebrity person, um, mm-hmm. at all. I'm like, you don't meet your idols. But Robert England would be right up there. Okay, okay, like there because you go. I. <laughs> I was such a fan of Nightmare. Yeah. And it's probably only, yeah, I don't know. Him or, oh, no, wait. I'm take it back. <gasps> I know. Okay. Um, It would be Adam Driver. Hey, yes, yes. He, okay. I don't think he's on there, but we'll see what we can do. We'll, we'll reach out to his uh, PR firm and see if we can get him to send you a message because he's he's such a talented man. He is. Also, I am like, I don't care about celebrities, but then I remembered my fascination with Kylo Ren. I'm like, okay, well, maybe. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll, I'll go there. He's, he's very talented. He's, he's like similar to like Bonnie Aaron's. Like he's got a unique look. Like he's a good looking man, but it's not like traditional Hollywood classification of good looks. Like he's not your typical leading man, but he's, a hell of an actor, knows what he's doing, very diverse roles that he plays mm. as well. And he's also like a giant, like, um, yeah, Kylo Ren, very imposing. Mm. Yeah, love Kylo Ren. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to, uh, to Ben Solo. But yeah, that is another episode of The Cost of Cameo Done and Dusted. You nailed the most important one there, which was Robert Englund, but sadly 
two through five, which is slightly out of order. But um, yeah, we've been talking about the news, what's been happening. We've talked about what we've been playing, but I guess we'll jump into the final segment, which is... The week that's yet to come, presented by Dash Water. All right. So obviously we are very busy individuals, not only here on the podcast, but also the listeners. But if you're looking for things to consume this coming week, if you're looking for other podcasts, we've got another episode of More Than Hentai dropping this week. Where we're going to be unpacking Darwin's game. If you want to go to the cinemas, you can check out A Haunting in Venice, Blue Beetle, or Ruby Gilman Teenage Kraken, which is yet another animated film that uh, is constantly jumping onto the big screens. If you want to check out something on TV or the streaming services, we've got uh, Love at First Sight, the new season of Welcome to Wrexham, The Morning Show Season 3 drops, and also Season 5 of The Handmaid's Tale is making its way to Stan. If you want to get very depressed and just hate life, check out The Handmaid's Tale. It's great, but oh my God, is it heavy. Also check out the new trailer for Castlevania Nocturne, which is coming out later this month on Netflix. It looks fantastic. Anyone that hasn't watched the Castlevania animated series on Netflix, do yourselves a favor and check it out because it is phenomenal. And there's a ton of games coming out this week. We've got Eternites, Noir, Play With Your Food, Super Bomberman R2, Gunbrella, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, The Hidden Treasure of Area Zero, Ad Infinitum, AK Zelotti, Deceit 2, Dune Spice Wars, Monster Hunter Now, Solar Ash, The Crew Motorfest, Thunder Ray, and Batten Katos 1 and 2 HD Remaster, which just rolls off the tongue. Mia... Anything that I just mentioned there, anything that I didn't mention that is exciting for you, or what are you doing this week, first and foremost? If it encompasses anything I just mentioned, awesome. But what's your week ahead looking like? Uh, you said way too many things. <laughs> way too fast for me. I was like, I'm sorry. Um, I don't know about this week in particular, but I am very excited about Lies of P. Yes. Which I yes. don't. I think it might. It have drops got, next week. I think. Yeah, I think it's a week after. I hope. Yeah. I know. I think it might have got delayed a tiny bit at, at some point. So it's now. I hope, two weeks away, and not two months away. Even though I'm like, oh, it's fine when they delay games. I am also hoping they don't delay it too much. September nineteenth. Yes. So next week. Okay. It's coming out. Um and uh, movie wise, there was I watched a trailer. I watched two trailers, actually. I'll tell Mm -hmm. you what they are. Uh, No One Will Save You, like a horror sci-fi trailer. Um, I think that comes out on streaming services. It's straight to VOD. So I'm I'm curious to check that one out. Oh, yeah. It's it's like a... Like an abduction like horror. An abdu- yeah, which I, you don't really see many horrors like that, so I'm quite excited. Please don't come at me if it's terrible, but the trailer looks fantastic. Yeah, so it looks like a, a home invasion with aliens is yeah. what I was trying to say. It looks super creepy. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm down for that. Yeah, I love, I mean, you know I love horror, but, like, mix horror with sci-fi and I'm all about it. So that's out soon. And um, the other trailer I watched, which isn't out soon, but the trailer just came out, was the Godzilla Minus One. I thought, have you watched the trailer for that? It looks really good. I'm really, I'm excited for that. I'm, like, excited to see a bit more of a, like, horror kind of Godzilla um so we're getting so much godzilla and king kong right now like they are throwing <laughs> it at us everywhere like we've got the apple tv stuff we've got the Wait, films what apple got... tv stuff so they're doing a godzilla tv series oh i didn't know this yeah yeah it comes out very soon i think um i think maybe like in the next next couple of weeks godzilla right apple so meanwhile TV. i've been waiting for my alien tv show for about four years oh, now and godzilla's yes. just like coming out everywhere yeah, so so Godzilla Monarch Legacy of Monsters, it's called. And there's a trailer out at the moment. 
and it's a 10 episode series. It's got Kurt Russell and his son playing each other. Like they're, they're sort of time jumping. So they've got his son playing young Kurt and then current Kurt playing himself in that time period. But yeah, it comes out in the next couple of weeks, I'm pretty sure. Oh, so sweet. it looks good as well. Well, thanks for educating me about that one because I didn't know. And um, <laughs> wait, are you saying that? Oh, I didn't know that that was Kurt Russell's kid. I think it is, isn't it? Wyatt Russell, I'm pretty sure that's Kurt's son, who I still can't disconnect him from the Overlord and also the Black Mirror yeah, episode. Yeah, I was going to say VR. Black Mirror. Yeah, I was because I rewatched all of Black Mirror not long ago and I'm like, I know him. Yeah, no, I, no idea it was Kurt Russell's kid. Well, there we go. Yeah, he was. I had to second guess myself then too. I'm like, maybe it is just a coincidence that um, the they've got the Russell. same surname, but no. Yeah, they are they are indeed father and son. So so that is plenty of stuff to check out this week, listeners, whether it be playing, viewing, consuming, plenty of things to do. If you want to feel a bit fancy, you can go get yourself a, a truffle-based mushroom pizza. Feel very fancy. You've got to eat it with the pinky out, I believe. But that brings us to the official end of episode 334 of THG. Mia, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to uh, riff games, life, and everything in between with me. I really appreciate you. You're welcome. Um, I've actually learned a few things today. This has been great. Well, that's good. That's good. We're here to educate, inform, and sometimes entertain. Is there anything you wanted to, to shout out or mention before we close this episode down? Uh, nope. I'm all good. I feel like all I've right. I've covered it all already. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. All right, listeners, be sure to rate, review, subscribe this podcast and all the other podcasts you listen to on the regular. Follow me on the socials at Brendan 8-Bit. Follow me on the socials at Series of Blurs X on Twitter. And I know some are just Series of Blurs without the X on other handles. But until next time, 8-Bit Nation, much love and stay hungry. See you around.